Welcome to the second series of We Are Vodafone, a podcast that's about people who work at Vodafone, but to everyone to listen to. We all want to keep moving forward. It's human nature. We want to stimulate our minds with new things. We want to grow, learn new skills, take on new responsibilities. But that can be easier said than done. How do you know what's the right opportunity for you and what's not? How do you step outside your comfort zone and by the discomforts that can come from change? What mindset do you need and what people do you need around you to grow personally and professionally? I'm joined by two people who've taken very different approaches to personal growth and who followed intriguing paths as a result. Paths we can all take inspiration from. Moira Cheng in Reading here in England and Rekha Pustai Istvan in Budapest, Hungary. To start off, I wanted to find out what they're both up to now. Moira, you've moved around so much, it's hard to know exactly what you're doing, but what is your job at the moment? What are you doing? I currently work within a group function in IT operations, and I'm running a DevOps transformation program. We're changing the mindset of people to ensure that we've got operations teams and development teams together collaborating for faster delivery and better sustainability of our products and reliability. Sounds pretty crucial. Rekha, what are you up to now? I'm currently working with Vodafone Group and I am one of the key persons of the global design system team. So we are creating components that the users would see in the My Vodafone applications and throughout all the web products that someone could come across. I am training designers, giving guidance and advice on how to use the system. You've both taken very different routes to where you are now. You've overcome hurdles, obstacles. There are some dilemmas and tough decisions that you've made. And I think it's useful for all of us if we you know, perhaps join this show, look at three pivotal moments where you come to forks in the road and made decisions which have been instrumental to how you've ended up here. Moira, your first moments. I suppose it's moving from Malaysia where you grew up to the UK and in Malaysia you were working I believe corporate communications you moved to the UK to start from scratch why? (laughs) I was born in the UK I mean I had grandparents here and relatives here but my father's Malaysian so we we lived in Malaysia for most of my life I started my real career really in corporate communications in an investment bank and we were involved in advertising and marketing briefs and branding and all, all this fancy stuff. I got married a couple of years later and before we set down roots anywhere, I thought if we're going to give it a go somewhere else and go to England where I was born, let's do that now. So it was the right time in my early 20s to make that move. But the move goes from a nice job in corporate communications to to ending up in a in a call center is that right coming from a corporate comms and public relations background you know when I landed in the UK I didn't know the difference from the sun or the telegraph I've had no idea what the media state was like obviously it was really tough to get back into that stream of work and as any person would do you find where you can actually start from and I ended up working in a call center for a bank you know they noticed my potential I was obviously capable of doing other things I moved into managing several call centers I was young I took it in my stride you know every experience was a new experience to me and I I saw it as a stepping stone so I wasn't too phased by it I knew to get your foot in the door you've got to do something and you learn from it and then you move on. Rekha another story of moving countries in your case from 
Romania to Hungary to follow your passion for design. What what led you to jump countries? A friend of mine drew my attention to a global event called Portfolio Night. Basically, it's a set of mini interviews that you can attend well, in the hopes of getting a design job. And this was held in Budapest in Hungary. It seemed really exciting to you know get a shot and try to find the proper job that I, I wanted to get. So I came to Budapest and I managed to get a junior art director job here. It was amazing. I was overjoyed, really. And that was the thing that made me move from Romania to Hungary to try my luck here. Everything goes great three months. And then <laughs> the company tells me that, well, turns out that they don't really have the capacity and the time to help the new joiners to get on board and train them properly. So we had to say goodbye. It was pretty funny because I would say they were treating me in a way that they didn't want to hurt me or something. They didn't want for me to have any hard feelings. And they kept saying, yeah, you shouldn't take this as a failure or, or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I would never take this as a failure because this is just a slight change of plans, right? So I have to try and make the best out of it. So I decided not to go home to Romania because it didn't make sense to me to move back again after three months. I looked for another job. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the job that I was looking for in design. So thanks to speaking other languages than Hungarian, I managed to find a job and a call center in an IT service desk for a little bit more than a year. Meanwhile, I was trying to freelance. How do you deal with that low record? You know, you, you've seen your kind of dream opening come and go very quickly how do you sort of pull yourself back from that you can make plans but obviously there is an aspect of change you cannot really control there's no meaning in focusing on the aspects that you can't control right so you have to experience the happenings around you and you have to acknowledge that something is not going according to your personal plan but after a while, you have to stand up and focus on the things you can control. I just had to look harder and had to take some time in finding the right fit for me. And this passion to work in design, how strong a drive was it? How long had you felt this way? I've been feeling this way for a very, very long time. I think I was around 14 or 15 when I was confidently feeling that this is the route that I want to take. Design is my passion, my calling, really. And Maura, it's, it seems that you also were quite driven as a child, maybe not for um, working in the telecommunications industry, but you were a kid with passions that you took seriously. Typical little girl, really quite sporty, did a lot of ballet and tap. And uh, I got quite competitive in gymnastics when I was young, rhythmic gymnastics over in Malaysia. Having been in a sporty environment, I know that, you know, you can never be number one sometimes, but you just try the best you can. That inner drive, I suppose, sets you up for life and in your career as well. As a child, I always saw myself as a little bit of an outsider. So for me, that's just made me more adaptable to change, I think, in whatever environment I'm in. We evolve as we meet people and, and as we grow in our careers. And that's what I strive to be, the best person that I can be. I don't try and compare myself to other people and to be an individual as much as being able to blend in, I suppose. Rekha, can you relate to any of that? Yes, uh, as I was listening, I was thinking about that part when you said more that you have to be the best version of yourself and not necessarily compare yourself to others. I don't think that that is something that comes straight away, that you understand that you don't have to always compete with others, but you have to make the best out of yourself really to be the best version. You both certainly took that drive as you kept moving. Maura, you joined the call centre and you didn't just sit still and answer the phones. You 
moved into more of a sort of project management role. So this is your second moment, really. This is your this is your dilemma: whether to stick with project management or move into service design. And what's going through your mind at the time? What I was really weighing up was: do I want to manage the delivery of projects and products? Or do I feel I'm a bit more creative and do I want to get into the detail of actually designing and creating the solutions that we offer our customers? In the end, you know, I thought it'd be more of a challenge to me to go into more of a business analysis and service design role, where I was actually understanding the technology, understanding the people and the process and blending it all together to create a solution. It had a bit more creativity in it rather than project management. And that's what I chose. And talk me through the process of how you make a decision. You know, I like to almost draw up lists and like pros and cons. And then there are certain people I bounce things around and then I lose a lot of sleep. How do you do your decision making? Just like that, I think it was pretty important for me to actually have a feel of both the roles. And I was fortunate to have that opportunity where I did both roles for a year. It's not an instantaneous judgment where you can say, yep, I'm going for that or or the other one. You know, it was like, let's have a an opportunity to see where my strengths are and what I feel would be more valuable to my career development in order to decide which path to take. How important is it? to have that stability and also have the company support you when things perhaps aren't going well you know how much you need that support I have to credit Vodafone and all my previous line managers they've always been really really supportive of my career and progression and it came a point about six years into service design where I was really vying for a managerial position there to become a team manager of a portfolio and an opportunity came up for that role and I thought you know I'd apply for it I was six months pregnant at the time and you know I went for the interview just before Christmas it was about the 22nd of December or something like that and I was obviously very pregnant at the time and I said well after Christmas I'll come back I've got a couple months to give before the baby comes and that'll be great and (laughs) my little daughter was born early. She was premature. I gave birth to her on Christmas Day and I officially got the role and they called me up when I was in the hospital bed, I think just after New Year's um, and I was still in hospital with my little baby girl saying, congratulations, you got the job. And I had to say, oops, I'm really sorry, but I've had my baby early. (laughs) And that was a tough time, but they were so supportive of me. Uh, And I took obviously some maternity leave time out as you would, but you know, They gave me my promotion while I was on maternity leave itself. And I came back, um, I think in September, it was the following year. So the line managers and the organization has been really supportive. So I think I'm a case in proof that if you're pregnant, you can still get promoted while you're pregnant and on maternity leave. But yeah, they've been great. It's great to hear. Reket, let's kind of spool back. You're doing a bit of design work, but then a competition to enter the fashion industry looms and you think yeah I quite fancy going to the uh, the world of fashion so I guess your dilemma was to stay in your comfort zone and what you were doing or or try and move into fashion it wasn't an easy choice to make at that time I had the best job I could ever wish for I had a compassionate boss I had very professional intelligent colleagues I really liked the job itself I was doing technical illustrations at that time so it was very exciting and and a lot to learn Good wage, fantastic work-life balance, really everything a young professional could wish for. And then I came across a competition. I submitted my work. A Hungarian brand was looking for designers to collaborate with, so didn't even say anything about hiring. And turned out they liked my work so much that they wanted to hire me. So 
on one hand, I was overjoyed, but on the other hand, I started freaking out, right? Because you have almost everything you want to have, and then someone just puts another layer on top of it. I had to sit down, calm down a little bit, and try to weigh my options. My husband took a very big part of the pressure that I had in this, that I had to weigh all my options, what I was happy to sacrifice in order to move to the fashion industry and try because it wasn't safe, it was unknown. I think when these sort of decisions have to be made, having a supportive spouse or friends or family or even colleagues is extremely valuable. And what's your decision-making process? You somebody that writes lists as well? I speak the lists, if that makes sense. So I have a person with whom I can speak about this. I'm always weighing what is okay to sacrifice in order to gain something in the near future or long term, because anytime I change jobs or I take uh, on more responsibility, I always try to look towards the future. What am I going to gain from this, professionally speaking or personally? So I have mental lists. You made that leap. You left your comfortable design work behind. And how, how did it turn out in the fashion world? Um, I started working there and fast forward nine months, I'm resigning again. The difference here is that I didn't have or I don't have a new contract in my hand for my next job. And the happenings that got me there at that point where I wanted to resign were very different from the previous situation. Unfortunately, I had to work in a very toxic environment. And even though I tried to keep in mind all the wins that I could get from that particular job on the longer term, I had to get to the conclusion that it's too much at stake. I had to understand that my emotional well-being and, and my mental health is more important than work could ever be. And this is very sad because I don't think that these two should ever be on the same scale ever. It was a very difficult situation and I appreciate a lot of people don't have the luxury to stand up and leave situations that no longer serve them. But I was lucky enough to have had a very supporting husband and family and friends. And to be honest, standing up for myself and leaving that situation was liberating. That's one of the best decisions I ever made. It sort of shows, doesn't it, that sometimes you have this kind of idea of a dream job, but often a job really comes down to who you're working with every day and what you're doing. And if you're working with people who are toxic, it has such a horrible impact on your life and your, and your mental health. And I think it's also sad to face sometimes reality, meaning that not everyone is always kind and genuine and helpful. It's just difficult to digest and to accept that not all work environments are for everyone, I think. Moira, have you been lucky enough to avoid that sort of toxicity in your jobs? I have to say, I fortunately have. And I, I, as Rekha said, having a supportive environment around you to actually bounce off your thoughts, I think, in those kind of situations is really key. And being able to stand up for yourself, Rekha, I completely agree with that. And recognizing when it's not the right environment for you or for your career. It's a brave decision to actually take charge of your career and, and say, well, you know, that's not on. And I've got to move on and move out and move up. One of the things, Moria, which strikes me, talking about your sort of jump towards service design, was you, you moved into an area where you, you didn't have the skills to start with. We sometimes have an image of a job where we think we have to do these jobs that we know exactly what we're doing. But in reality, it's more about an aptitude and an ability to kind of learn or, or project a confidence. I think it takes actually a lot of time to recognize if you have a natural skill set 
there's such a variety of skills. There's technical skills, there's people skills, there's leadership skills. You know, skills, I think, are critical. However, how people use those skills to their advantage or want to build on those skills for their advantage is important. And if they have the right aptitude towards learning and gaining those skills, then that is key. We all have to finesse our skills at some point or understand where our strengths are. And there is no one right skill or one better skill, I think. Were there any moments when you felt hopelessly out of your depth? I felt quite out of my depth when I moved into my third role, into this IT ops, uh, DevOps role, because in service design, I gained skills over the years. You know, I moved with the times, I learned more and, and I progressed more. And I, over time, I got to really understand my strengths in that role. Let's take on your third moment where you, I think you're saying you became an IT ops transformation program manager which is exactly what I'm doing now I had a very comfortable role you know in service design I was there for about 11 years and I'd grown I'd become a coach and a mentor and a manager and you know I knew what I was talking about so to decide to actually pivot your career to do something else that was completely moving myself out of my comfort zone I realized that I wasn't being challenged anymore and really I needed to explore what my other options were I was really thankful I had a very very supportive line manager who who actually recognized that there is not much more that you could possibly do to, to stretch yourself here I was fortunate enough to find the opportunities I got an opportunity through networking the women in technologies network and there was a lady there who was looking to go on a, a sabbatical for her her masters and she said oh I, you know there might be something you can do here to cover for me while I go on my sabbatical would you like to explore that and I was like oh yeah what, what, what's it all about and, oh it's shape up this new program we're doing um, around DevOps and I was like okay I know a bit about DevOps you know but I did not have any clue about what I was going to step into and so it took a bit of courage and supportive line managers on the outgoing side and the incoming side to say should we give her a, a little opportunity for a secondment here where we can see what she can do I grabbed it by its horns really and it's about being confident in your own skills and believing in yourself and being willing to take that jump after all if it didn't work out I'd learned something brave again and but that's led you to moments where you perhaps not know exactly what you're doing but also some some real highs as well. I think everyone goes into a new role feeling a little bit uncomfortable. You know, what am I supposed to be doing? What do I want to achieve? And, and how do I get there? And <laughs> lo and behold, I kind of took it in my stride and scoped this program up, created a, a team, ha, ha, got a program running, understood what we were going to deliver. As I was moving into that new DevOps role, I attended a three-day conference all around DevOps. But a year later, I had the opportunity again to attend this conference and I kind of thought, well, actually, why don't I submit to do a speech about my program and what we've managed to do in the last year? And I was so surprised to get a call back to say, yes, please come and speak at our conference. For me, it was a little personal achievement, really, from from having known not much about the topic to actually being able to speak at the conference and getting such great feedback from the participants at the conference as well. A record, I can see you're, you're smiling in, in admiration and nodding silently to a lot of thoughts that Moira pointed out regarding taking the jump, taking risks, being afraid, but doing it anyways. And I can totally relate to that. Well, let's pick up where you got to. You you left this toxic fashion environment, did another year back in IT, and then you landed a design job in Vodafone. You started out designing icons, but you didn't just leave it there. What have you gone on to design? 
I joined Vodafone almost four years ago, and I usually joke with my line manager that it feels like I have been working at four different companies ever since because there are so many challenges and there were so many challenges along the way. And I was always proactively looking for opportunities, networking, reaching out to fellow designers, and trying to you know gain some visibility. I started out in a more junior role than my experience was at the time, and I remember my line manager at the time telling me or asking me in the interview, like, are you sure you understand that you are going to design icons eight hours per day? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. I completely get it. It's fine. But he was asking me, what are you content with this? Is this going to be enough? And I told him, yeah, it's absolutely fine because given the size of the corporation and and the way how these big companies work, I'm 100% sure that there are going to be opportunities for me to grow many, many opportunities. And it turned out it was true. At the time, I had almost no authority. I was managing a mailbox. I was creating icons and replying to a lot of requests. And slowly but surely, I, I managed to transition into a UI role. I am currently, as I mentioned at the beginning, working in the design system team. And my main activities as a user interface designer are creating stuff like buttons, icons, or anything that a user would come across when interacting with one of our products, such as my Vodafone application, filling in a form, submitting a request, and so on. So all those tiny elements are really coming from from our work. I was afraid because I knew that I had almost half of the skills required for the job, but I knew that I I was willing to grow into the job and, and pick up all the skills that still were remaining. What's interesting, Rekha, is that you've you've navigated the line of you took a job that was more junior than you, but you've kind of managed to smoothly push your way higher up and into different branches. How do you not be too pushy? How do you progress without putting people's noses out of joint? This was something that I had to learn along the way to know my value so that I know exactly what I can offer And be proud of myself, but not in an arrogant way, in a way that it radiates confidence and that it radiates the fact that I'm okay with myself and that I'm in the right space. And also having managers or line managers who understand your potential and they are constantly bugging you and trying to pull you out of your comfort zone by assigning certain projects to you or just simply inviting you to meetings, to listen in, replying to emails, copying you in, like sneaking bits and pieces here and there. And I think this applies to any professional. So if you demonstrate a willingness of learning and then growing professionally and also demonstrating a little bit of of courage by taking on more responsibilities, obviously inside a normal circle of expectations, they can help you achieve your dreams, even if you have to skip a few steps in order to reach them. And Moira, do you recognize any elements of yourself in that? Absolutely. Well, not just myself, but, you know, the circumstances that Rick has put down, supportive line managers showing initiative to want to grow and personally want to grow your career. I think finding the opportunities and being open with your line manager and to have supportive line managers that care about your future career as well and want to see you progress and give you those opportunities. That's an amazing attribute that I've fortunately been able to see in Vodafone with all my previous line managers. An individual can't expect it handed to them on a plate. You've got to show initiative, exceed expectations, demonstrate that you're ready for something a bit more challenging, offer up your extra skills or your extra time, take on some new stuff as it comes. And that's kind of how you build the confidence of your line manager or how you build the confidence in yourself that you can actually stretch a little bit more. 
Yeah, and I think honesty is, is a very important aspect of this. So if you're open with your line manager and they know what you expect from them, they are able to help you. If you just get into that frustrated mindset of, oh my God, I'm not achieving anything more than what's put in my contract, nothing is going to happen. So you, you have to make that extra effort, I think. And I guess if you know people are feeling um, a little inspired by your stories and where you've got to, and as I said at the beginning, you've both navigated hurdles and it's not been a, a smooth line. What's the kind of wisdom that you have now? And I guess almost like what would you tell versions of yourselves who were starting out at the beginning of your careers? What do you know now that you perhaps wouldn't have known when you were in your early 20s? Moira? I think you've got to recognize when you're stagnating in your career. If you generally feel that you've been there, you've done that, and there's nothing new that's challenging, it's probably time to move on or to grow. Secondly is, is always be curious to learn something new. When I meet anyone, really, I, I go into the mindset of that person can always teach me something. There is something that person knows that I do not know yet. Then I think as much as you can try and be in control of what you can control, be in control of your career. Don't worry about the bits that you can't control, but be proactive in exploring options for yourself. You know, understand what you want to do to progress your career, you know, network with people or if you spot an opportunity or you spot a challenge and you think of a solution, be open with sharing that with your line manager or teams and be proactive in trying to demonstrate your capabilities there. Fourth point, have confidence and believe in yourself to your point record, not to the point where it's arrogance or proud. It's just, you know, acknowledge where your, your strengths are and then be comfortable with not knowing anything. So that's the last point. Be comfortable with not actually knowing everything and any, anything when you're adapting to change. You don't have to get everything right at the start, you know, but how you learn and improve is from making mistakes. So be comfortable with the fact that you will not know everything when you go into something new. A record. From the journey that you've been on, what would your wisdom be? Moira said everything I wanted to say. Maybe two more things I might add, and I think one of them is mental health and emotional well-being. So you always have to look out for yourself. You have to be very conscious of your mental health having an impact on of your personal life, of your work life, and really everything. If this would be a headline, it would be take care of yourself. And another thing is the importance of a support system around you, be it friends, family, professionals also is extremely valuable. Wise, wise words. Moira Rekka, thank you very much for taking time to share your stories of personal and professional growth. Given the um, the rates at which you both move, whilst we've been speaking, have either of you changed job? Has anything happened in the last half an hour? Not yet, but I definitely want to get to know Rekka a bit more though, so I'd build on this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It would be great. We'll put you in touch. But for the time being, Moira Rekka, thanks very much for both your time. Thanks so much. Very welcome, Tim. Thank you. Many thanks to Rekka and Moira for sharing their stories and looking back over the sometimes winding but inspiring paths which brought them to where they are today. It's a good reminder that getting where you want to be at home or work doesn't always follow the straightest or most obvious route. And it's about being alert to those unexpected detours and having the confidence to take them. I seem to have been waiting 30 years for that detour to take me into the Man City team. Oh well. This has been We Are Vodafone, a podcast brought to you by Vodafone for Vodafone and other people. Until next time.